0: Following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello again, everyone. This is Pastor Alan Gilman for All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. This is the message for August the thirtieth, two thousand and twenty. We've been really happy to be able to meet again uh, the past couple of weeks. We have been meeting outside on the church property. It's been great to see everyone there. We're doing these short 45-minute services, and we're going to keep trying to meet outside while the weather permits, and if necessary, we'll go indoors. And then we're going to see how it goes uh, in in this interesting, difficult time. Uh, Please don't forget to contact us. If you have any questions, you can email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Any concerns or questions that you may have. I'm not too sure when you might be watching this. Maybe we had our service already or we haven't had our service already for this week. Um, but uh, I'm going to com- continue to do these recorded sermons for you uh, until uh, we're able to do more substantial messages as part of our services. So... Uh, that's how that's going to go. Also, I'm happy to announce that, uh, come mid-September, i probably be September 16th, but we'll, we'll see as we get closer to it. We're going to be starting a midweek Bible study via Zoom and you'll be getting more information about that. And this will give us, uh, opportunity to, to share more with one another and pray for each other and get into God's word better and, and grow together in the Lord and see what he has for us. At this at this time, at this strange time, and uh, we'll be learning more about some of what I'll be sharing in this message about what it really means to live a life of faith. And uh, this message challenges me, and I hope it, it challenges you, and draws us all closer to the Lord and opens our eyes more to what He wants to do in and through our lives at this time. So we're continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark. We're currently in chapter 11. And we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 11, verses 12 through 25. Uh, but to get some of the context, we're going, to, we're going to start at verse 12. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, which is verse 33. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. That's Jesus, of course. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to them, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what, by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say From man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's pray. Our Father, we again thank you for your word. And we pray that you would give us insight into what you are saying here. And show us what you want to do in our lives, how you want us to trust you how you want us to move forward in in the things you have for us and our families, at this time, we look to you. Guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, what I want to do first is I want to recap this strange story of what's been called the cursing of the fig tree. I mentioned it last time. In the Gospel of Mark, it's broken into two sections. Uh, So what happened was is uh, he had... Entered into Jerusalem with this celebratory crowd. He entered the temple, uh, he entered the temple, and he looked around, and because it was late, he went to where he was staying, um, in like a suburb of Jerusalem. And the next morning, he's going back to the temple with his disciples, and it says that he's hungry, and he see- sees a fig tree and leaf. Now it's springtime, and that's important. Uh, it, the Bible says it wasn't the season for figs because it was Springtime, but he knew, like people who are familiar with figs, and I'm—I've just been learning about them in his past few days—is the way figs grow is each year new shoots begin to emerge from from the tree, and the fresh crop of figs uh, begins in spring to to bud and eventually mature and ripen in the late summer, early fall. And all those figs are the products of the new shoots. But something happens with some fig trees some of the time, and it seems that some variety, it's more common than others. In the springtime, while the new shoots are, are, are growing and beginning to form the new crop, there's a batch sometimes of early figs, they, they become known as uh, uh, Breva or Breva figs. And these are early figs that grow on the old growth. So from the shoots that appeared in other years, these early figs grow. So sometimes some fig trees have the early figs. And so there was a possibility that this fig tree that was now in leaf, which means it's, it's coming alive for the, the new season, it should have the, the beginnings of the new fruit that will, be, will ripen in the fall or, or late summer. It's possible that there could be some, and sometimes many, of the early figs. And that was what Jesus was hoping to see on this fig tree in leaf. Even though it wasn't the season for figs, meaning it was the early, it was the early time some fig trees would have some early figs. So he gets to the tree, looks and sees that there's no early figs. So there's no figs to eat. But it appears he also sees something else. He, he likely sees that the The tree is not budding because the leaves were already there. There was new growth. There was no budding of the figs that would mature later on. This was a fruitless fig tree. It was a good-for-nothing fig tree. It was a useless fig tree. And so he said, you know, we're done with this fig tree. And uh, and he, he says the words, may no one ever eat of you again. Then after that, he goes into the temple and he had probably planned this from the evening before. He had seen when he first got there the, the day before what was going on in, in what was known as the Court of the Gentiles. And you could look at, at last week's message. I'm really sorry how there I had this audio problem, and I, I didn't realize it until the next day. So I, I was able to fix it. So the new version, it's called the updated version, is there. And so if you didn't check out, I had some uh, pictures of uh, the Second Temple and, and showed where the, this large outside court. Uh, was the, known as the court of the gentiles which is not just for gentiles but it was this big outer court of the temple area where a lot of people mingled and they would go there uh, to to pray and worship the lord and so on and yet what, yet what had happened being passover um, people who were selling uh, the sacrifices to be that people were required to make these sacrifices but they didn't carry them from the distances that they were uh, coming from they would journey to Jerusalem and they would purchase them and they had to also change whatever currency they had into the currency that the, te- the temple took. And so there'd be both money changers and sellers of these, of, this, of the sacrificial items. And it wasn't so much that they were there, but that they were crowding out the areas so of the people and particularly the non-Jews who were coming to worship the one true God, the God of Israel. This is the only place that they could get to, and there was no room for them. And so he he kicked all the people out. Um, it, was, it was quite a dramatic display. As I said, I, mentioned, I talked about this more last time. And so he does that, and then they leave. And then coming back the next day, we get to our passage. So verse 20 reads, and "As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots." Um, that's, so that's the the tree that he had cursed the day before. And verse 21 continues, "And Peter remembered, remembered, and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered." Now there's something something to notice here, because as we're drawn into the story, Peter notices it. So, so Mark. Writes this down, likely what he had heard from Peter saying when he told the story in public many, many times. Um, he points this out that, you know, Peter notices it, so we're supposed to notice it. And, and comments, you know, Rabbi, my teacher, my master, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. So, but, but why point this out? Why, why is it so remarkable in this remarkable gospel that we've been studying? Well, it it's it's because we're supposed to notice something about this tree. Now, are we simply to notice that Jesus did yet another manipulation of the natural world? He you know calmed the storm, he multiplied, he, he multiplied food, and now he made a fig tree with her. It's like, wow, the the Messiah made the fig tree with her. Isn't that incredible? Is that all there is to it? Well, there's likely a lot more because of where this story is placed. It begins before they go to the temple. Then he casts out the, the sellers and the money changers from the temple. and, and, and it, Dramatically and, and pretty harshly and with strong words. And now this tree was cursed because it wasn't bearing fruit. And so it's likely what's going on here is the fig tree is, is symbolic of the temple and particularly the temple system the temple itself was of god but what had happened was the temple system had become so corrupt the the priests had become rich on the backs of the of the common people and also the priesthood had uh, had been in cahoots with rome they had made deals with the romans so that they can keep their place and position and so the temple had become more about the priests and their earnings and their place and their position. And so they, in the name of the, of the God of Israel, they were um, they were um, ex- experiencing personal gain. And this was just so wrong. And this has been going on going on for a long, long time. And so this was no longer truly a house of God it was a house of commerce it was a house of of political uh intrigue and interest and, and 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 self benefit which frankly is you know what a lot of our religious organizations and and churches and and are it's it's full of of compromise and 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 political agendas and self and when that happens there's no fruit. There might be activity. There might be grand displays, just like the this temple was so grand, which was a, a project of Herod actually showing off his grandeur, not necessarily to the glory of God, is a work of, of human hands. It was not something in the service of God. And when something becomes self-motivated, we don't bear fruit and after a while if our organizations in the name of god are serving self and our politics and are the preservations of our own traditions not the pursuit pursuit of what god wants then we become good for nothing and god will take us away it's like in the book of revelation when when jesus um threatens these seven churches in asia minor modern-day turkey talks about if you don't repent i will remove your lampstand you will you will have you will not shine light anymore you will have no good effect anymore you will not be a blessing your days are numbered and any of us involved in in leadership need to take this very very seriously are we serving god and producing fruit or not and this will fit into, uh, his, his discussion with the temple leaders at the end of the chapter, which we're going to look at next time. And also fits in, in what seems to be a general lesson about faith that comes up. And so Peter reacts to the withered fig tree. And then Jesus says, verse 22, Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So at first glance, with beginning with Peter's remarking, Look, Rabbi, the tree is withered. And then Jesus talks about Moving mountains and having faith. So it, at, it's, it sounds as if this is just a faith lesson. No, no figs on the tree, doomed, you know, bad fig tree, you're finished, withers up. Wow, isn't that amazing? And, and Jesus goes, well, you know what, guys? You could have amazing faith too. You could even move mountains. And of course, he's not saying you can actually literally move mountains. It's a figure of speech to talk about doing the impossible. But that's true. When we have the right kind of faith, and we exhibit that right kind of faith, then with God's help, we're able to do the impossible. That is an important lesson. And Paul refers to that in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, and says, if we have faith to move mountains but don't have love, See, he's not he's not saying we shouldn't have faith that can move mountains. He's, he's simply saying you could be a great person of faith, but without love— then it's really not worth anything. So what we need is genuine love and genuine faith. Um, Also, we see in the Gospel of Mark this mention about the power of true faith. There's that interaction with the man with the his his son had the spirit and his Jesus disciples couldn't drive out the spirit and then he interacts with the man and at some point he says to the man all things are possible for the one who believes wow that there's something about faith that, c- that can do the impossible that can move mountains and that is true once we understand what true faith really is but before we talk about true faith there's more than simply a general lesson about faith going on here due to what happened to the fig tree because the fig tree is symbolic of what happened to the fig tree is symbolic to what was going to happen to the temple the temple is going to be destroyed in a few decades later in the year 70 and he's foretelling uh, the end of the temple system not the end of the jewish people not the end of the plans and purposes of god he's not dissing the old testament but there's something about this the system of the priesthood at that time that had become so corrupt it was going to end and was also going to usher in of part of the beginning of the bringing in of the nations that happened before happens before the temple is destroyed i don't want to get distracted by that right now things were going to change big time. But part of that was judgment was going to come upon the temple system. And there's some clues of that here in his teaching on faith, because he says, whoever says to this mountain, likely pointing to Mount Moriah, there are many mountains around the Mount of Olives and mountains surrounding Jerusalem, but the temple was on top of a mountain, Mount Moriah, um, and the temple was likely built on the exact spot where Abraham offered up isaac in obedience to god and god stopped him and at the last minute and um that's in uh, genesis chapter 22 and it, it seems that's where the temple was built so that was the mountain mount moriah and he's saying this mountain was going to be thrown into could be thrown into the sea and it it's it difficult now and it could be because the dead sea has somewhat shrunk and it could be an air quality issue as well but it's, since this was spring and the dead sea was larger in those days um you're able to see the Dead Sea in the distance. You couldn't see the Mediterranean Sea. That was too far to the west. Uh, but to the east, you could see the northern end of the, of the Dead Sea. And so he was likely saying that this mountain, the mountain chosen by God where the temple would be, if you have faith, you be thrust into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is a symbol of judgment because that's where Sodom and Gomorrah was, that north end of the Dead Sea. And, and, and Sodom and Gomorrah is, uh, uh, reminds us of a place of, of great sin and rebellion against God and total destruction. And he's hinting of the coming destruction of the temple. But what does that have to do with a lesson on great faith? Well, because having great faith isn't simply about going around doing supernatural things to impress people. Great faith is trust in God, in his truth, in the things that he says. And despite everything else looking like to the contrary, if we rely on what god is saying and trust in that against all odds against all appearances against how we might feel against what other people are saying and live our lives according to god's truth what god says about what is reality and what is good about what's going to happen when we align ourselves with god's reality and truth by trusting in him, which is what faith is, faith is trust, trust in his truth, then anything is possible. We can be part of God's processes and history that sees massive changes, like right now people are thinking, oh, with the pandemic, with the politics, with civil unrest, with the way things are going, everything's just going downhill, what's the use, we just might as well just have to stay inside, just wait till it's all over, and probably this is the end, but that's not God's way, that's why we're doing a Bible study in in a few weeks, and, ex- and with the hope, not with the hope, with the plan, to explore what God has for us in these days, because as God shows us what He wants to do in our personal lives, in our in our church life, in in this nation and in the world, we can move mountains. They could the things that are so threatening and so terrible and so difficult. When we take a stand for what God is saying and what he wants us to do in and through us, those enormous mountains are going to pick up and are going to be thrust into the like the garbage heap they're going to be judged but what we need to do first is find out what is god actually saying to us we have to be ready to to be transformed from just the same old same old that we've always done thinking that if we just do what we've always do that we're going to get a better result you've heard that's the definition of insanity God's always taught in his word that we need to be attentive to his voice. We need to live according to the mouth of God. Not by bread alone, which is like, not by our physical material concerns. Not by impressions of, of what the media is telling us. But as we are attentive to the voice of God, we can do anything if we actually trust in what he is saying. So notice that he he wraps up his teaching about moving mountains with verse 24 saying, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So this has to do with knowing what God's will is, trusting in that, praying for it to come to pass. And as we're confident in that, we're going to see answers to those prayers. And then he continues and he makes another statement uh, uh, that sounds like general teaching about prayer when he says in verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But in the context, this is more than just general teaching about prayer, because if we're going to move forward and face challenges then we're going to encounter people that are going to have issues with us. If we stay back and not do anything and not seek God for changes in our lives, we're not going to see any pushback. But like Jesus who confronted the evil of his day, like his disciples who confronted the evil of their day, God's going to lead us into confronting the evil of our day, and people aren't going to like it. And so we're going to get pushback. The Bible calls that persecution. But we need to trust God for that because the mountains are going to move. If we trust God, the mountains are going to move. But people aren't going to like it. People are going to say things about us that we don't like. People are going to hurt us. And so when you're in the mountain moving business, you're going to have people you're going to need to forgive. And if we don't forgive, God's not going to forgive us. But if we do forgive, God will forgive us. So we need to be keeping short accounts as we are as we encounter other people and things happen to people and the troubles that happen and, and and it could be with fellow believers and the you know maybe you've been part of times where you've really seen god move and you've seen people come into the kingdom of god by faith and at the same time troubles happen with fellow believers well it's that when that happens it's time to forgive big time and keep short accounts that's why we pray every day the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We need to forgive. If we don't forgive, our Father will not forgive us. So, you want to be a mountain mover? You need to start facing mountains. Those first mountains are going to be the ones that keep us back from truly, truly following the Lord in the ways that we should. Then as we move out, we'll encounter other mountains. But we need to know the path that God's calling us to walk so that we are encountering the right mountains, the mountains he wants to see moved. And then we trust him in the ways that he's calling us to trust him. And we'll be able to speak to those mountains and they will be thrown into whatever sea. And as we do that, we'll probably encounter other troubles and need to forgive Now, it's possible that that's the very thing that's holding us back right now. So let me ask, are there people in your life right now that you need to forgive? I ask myself that question often. I should ask it more often because it's that crucial. So I want to encourage you, take time. If no one comes to mind immediately, ask God. Are there people that I need to forgive? And then, whether they deserve it or not, just like we don't deserve God's forgiveness, pray out loud, Father, I forgive so-and-so for doing, and name it, say what it is. Don't just say they hurt you. I forgive them for that time when they did this. And I look to you, Lord, to bless them and where I am wounded, heal me, and thank you that I can trust you, even though that person let me down, hurt me, misrepresented me, you know the list. But don't wait. If we don't forgive, that's not a mountain that we're facing. That is a wall that's going to keep us from knowing God as we should, and we won't be able to be what he wants us to be. We need to forgive. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that your Son died for our sins and that through him we have been set free. God, would you please remove blockages, walls, and mountains that all need to come down? Show us, Lord, where we fail to forgive. Or maybe we've forgiven But we need to forgive again because the walls have gone up again. Show us, Lord. Free us that we would be able to be the people you want us to be. And in this difficult time, show us how we could be mountain movers for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, please, if you have any questions, any concerns, email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Hope to see you soon. God keep you and your families both blessed and safe. Until next time. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.